This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. You've changed, you're daring, you're different in the woods. More sure, more sharing, you're getting us through the woods. If you could see, you're not the man who started, and much more open-hearted than I knew you to be. It takes two. I thought one was enough, it's not true. It takes two of us, you came through. When the journey was rough, it took you. It took two of us, it takes care. It takes patience and fear and despair to change. Though you swear to change, you can tell if you do. It takes two. You've changed, you're thriving. There's something about the woods. Not just surviving, you're blossoming in the woods. At home, I'd fear we'd stay the same forever. And then, out here, your passion, a charming, considerate, clever. It takes one to begin, but then once you've begun, it takes two of you, it's no fun. But what needs to be done, you can do. When there's two of you, if I tear, it's because I'm becoming aware of us. As a pair of us, each accepting a share of what's there. We've changed, we're strangers, I'm meeting you in the woods. Who minds what dangers, I know we'll get past the woods. And once we're past, Let's hope the changes last Beyond woods Beyond woods, shears and slippers and hoods Just the two of us Beyond lies Safe at home with our beautiful price Just the few of us It takes trust It takes just a bit more and we're done We want four, we had none We've got three We need one It takes two <laughs> Kia theatre nerds, welcome backstage where we set the stage for what's happening in and around our theatre community as well as just generally nerd out and have a good old yarn about theatre because, <laughs> heck, we love it. And if you're here, it's quite likely that you love it too and we welcome you. We do. If you're a regular here, please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Tell your friends and share our episode links. Uh, I'm back in the studio, yay! Uh, Which not only means regular audio quality, it also means I'm feeling a bit more on my game, which you'll probably be able to tell today throughout the journey of the episode. Mike, how are you feeling? What does your version of Delta 2 look like? Well, coming to terms with the fact that it's different from normal level 2, you know, Mm. there are changes in the way that we're doing things in terms of work. I am at the station today in the studio with you. Nice to see you face to face again. Oh, uh, instead of through Zoom. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're restricting our time spent at work. Uh, staff are only here for a limited amount of time each week. Yeah. And 
as long as that continues, that's what we have learned to live with as our norm. We're doing a lot of stuff remotely, yep. um, but trying to live life as normally as possible and trying to be upbeat about you know moving forward from here and doing stuff that we love to do in the hope that we will get to a greater sense of normality yeah. this side of Christmas. It's hard. To, it's really hard to know, though. You know. When everyone's got something, some speculation, something they've heard somewhere, all oh, know this, all oh, know that. So, I mean... Anything, anything's yeah. possible, I think, at this rate. Um, we're much the same at the Young Workers Resource Centre. The additional precautions um, obviously mean that in our tiny office there can only be a couple of us at a time, so we're sort of working it on a roster. A couple of us, like I said, at, in there at a time, maybe two, three max. Uh, so I'm still working from home a lot. Um, right. We've got the luxury of like being able to do this together uh, yeah. and rehearse shows and potentially get a couple of shows underway everybody's approaching it the same way I think look hoping for the best and preparing for whatever may come you know if you get the green light but you can go ahead yeah Yeah. you've got to be ready for it when it happens in terms of our own production assassins we've talked about this before we're not actually re-rehearsing just yet Mm. but we will be soon because our production dates now are December so you know we've got to be back up to speed and finish off the stuff we were doing to get ready for that Will um, you guys go ahead in level two? I, look, I'm I'm not privy to those conversations. Mm. I would uh, I, um, I would just have to figure that they'll make the best decision possible concerning uh, you know the way they manage things at the meteor and what we can do in terms of uh, what's viable in terms of audiences. Yeah. Um, and that is the big question I think for a lot of organisations at the moment. At what stage can they say uh, yes we c- we can still do this show and either crack even or come close to cracking even if we can. There's got to be a cut-off point somewhere for everything, though, doesn't there? Yeah, well, and often for lots of, especially the um, musical theatre societies, which is what I have the most experience with, they're managing, it's not really their money, it's the money of their membership. Yeah. Uh, so they're representing not their own interests, which is also adds another layer of, I guess, obligation into the mix. So you've got to think about what the impact is straight away, but also what the impact is going to be for future productions. Like if you lose money on a production now, that has a big impact on what happens next year. Yeah. That will trickle down to the year after that. And as you say, it's not anybody's personal money. This is money on behalf of an organisation which represents its membership. Yeah. So you've got to be really careful uh, if you're in governance with any of those organisations to make the right call. Yeah. And it's tough when you're dealing with stuff you just don't know enough about. But, you know, we're not alone in this. There are several productions feeling very much the same way about Mm -hmm. all of these things right at the moment. A multitude of rehearsal bubbles that are not interacting with each other's uh, rehearsal, other rehearsal bubbles. So you've got big productions that are rehearsing in, you know, two or three different groups. Yep. uh, Working away with their fingers crossed that they can go to stage as planned before the end of the year. And, you know, we're all hoping the same thing. So very best wishes to everybody that's in that sort of position. Yeah, my fingers are well and truly crossed. If you're listening from outside of New Zealand, which I know a few of you are, uh, we experienced our first outbreak of the Delta COVID variant about a month ago and we went into what we call alert level four lockdown straight away. Uh, So most of the country except Auckland is back down to a level two now, but our government is enforcing reduced gathering capacity. So that puts a level two cap of 50 people at an indoor audience. Now compare this with 12 months ago when we were at level two, the audience caps for uh, productions at that stage was 100 but because delta is much more transmissible the government's erred on the side of caution and said right we'll half that we'll make it 50 that has been i think the defining line that's made a difference this time around for a lot of of productions are now saying 50 
we may not be able to do that. Yep. 100, we probably could. Totally. Yep, but 50 might be too much of an ask. Anywho, I know that for venues like the Meteor and the Gaslight Theatre in Cambridge, for example, uh, this does affect things uh, a little bit. For the most part, they were able to plough on and get some of the shows through that they were planning to have. Mm. It depends on budgets and things like that too. But for other venues like Clarence Street Theatre in Hamilton, like mm-hmm. the Court yep. Theatre in Christchurch, Riverley Theatre even may not be able to viably proceed with shows because of that 50-person limit and the need for distancing that happens with that it's as well. It's affecting the small venues like it didn't affect them last year. Yeah, and they they sort of flew under the radar a bit last year. Yeah, they said, well, we're a small venue, we can do that. We can do 100, 100 yeah. yeah. But 50, even for Gaslight Theatre in Cambridge, that's getting to be a close call for them as well. Yeah, exactly. I do know that the Meteor's boil-up projects are all going ahead with reduced capacity at the Meteor and their um, social distancing. Uh, so definitely feel it is if you're booking those tickets. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Otherwise, it's all, like you said, it's all a bit of a wait and see and hope situation here at the moment for the arts and entertainment industries, both professionally and recreationally. Yeah, of course the boiler productions are done on a shoestring anyway, so there's not a lot at risk and uh, you know, if you get an audience, great. Anybody yep. that comes to see it is, is welcome. 100%. On that note actually, there are a couple of New Zealand community theatre societies who set up a Give a Little Pages to help uh, tie their societies over after the cancellations of uh, a few huge shows. Mm. Two in particular I can think of I uh, thought we should mention here if anyone feels so inclined to offer their help. Yeah, Act 3, formerly known as Palmerston North Operatic Society was four shows, oh, I feel so sad about this, four shows into their season of We Will Rock You in Level level 4 hit. So they got through, all the way through the process, yeah. four performances bam. And it's a big budget show too. Massive. Likewise uh, Nelson Musical Theatre, my old hometown, would um, have opened their consortium season of Mary Poppins at the beginning of this month so if you would like to donate, head over to their respective Facebook pages for the donation links to their Give a Little pages. I'm sure that you know, even if you're going to spare a couple of dollars, they would appreciate that to help them defray what are going to be some pretty big costs. Yeah, well, I read a bit of a stuff article on it today uh, that they've lost something like $100,000 on some of these productions, yeah. some of those big theatre companies, which is devastating. Imagine if that was uh, Hamilton Musical Theatre or even um, Hamilton Operatic. Yeah. That's devastating. You can't take a hit like that and no. bounce back straight away. No, you can't. Obviously, they're not the only societies in the country with shows postponed or cancelled. It's rife up and down the country. So if you do get the chance and can safely attend a live performance, please do. Theatres and societies in your town have actually just never needed you more. Oh, well said, well said. To make that task a bit easier, we have our most up-to-date version of our list of what's coming up around the place soonish, but errors and omissions accepted. Yeah, we'll keep it as up to date as we can. At the Meteor, uh, the Boil Up shows are all going ahead, like I mentioned. So they've got Wish I Was There by James Smith. That is actually going on stage in late November, but I don't have those dates. Junior, directed and written by Connor Maxwell. That goes to stage on the 22nd of September. Elsie, written and directed and choreographed by Lily Empson. That goes to stage on the 7th of October. And Atameda, written and performed by Hinirangi Marie Berryman. Uh, that goes to stage on the 20th of October. So that's the four boil-up shows. Also at the Meteor, you've got Kashu, which was rescheduled from earlier in August. That's by Linda Chanwai Earl. Go to stage October 18th, Drag Up Your Life, presented by Miss California, October 23rd, and 
as we've mentioned a few times, the reschedule of assassins presented by Bold Theatre going to stage on December 10th. Clarence Street Theatre, we mentioned then uh, the doors can't open there at the moment, but uh, they have Friends, the musical parody, still scheduled for one night only, October the 1st. Fingers crossed for that. And Tu Mekitui, presented by tour makers on from uh, October the 8th to the 9th. At Rivoli Theatre, they are still in rehearsal for Mamma Mia, presented by Hamilton Musical Theatre. That's on stage from the 10th to the 31st of October. And Back to the 80s is coming up, directed by Glenn Matthews. That opens at the end of November. Navarra Lounge is still hoping that they might get back into some sort of uh, ability to have uh, people in again. Let the Night In, Kendall Elise's album release tour is uh, Saturday, September the 18th. Headbangers Retreat, the 25th, that's also a Saturday. And Your Asamadu and Ozzy Oza with special guest Arua on Saturday the 2nd of October. Morrinsville Theatre are in rehearsals for All Together Now, still planning to go to stage from November 12th to the 15th. And Gaslight Theatre, we mentioned them in Cambridge, they are rehearsing Aladdin, a pantomime, still uh, scheduled to go to stage in November at this point. Matamata Dramatic Society uh, has At the Sign of the Crippled Harlequin coming up by Norman Robbins. That comes up in November 27th until December the 4th. Also in Matamata, the musical theatre are back in rehearsal for A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. That goes to stage from the 11th to the 20th of November. A big hi to Pataru Theatre Players. They're rehearsing their Christmas production Moonshine, which is scheduled to hit the stage in November. Up the road from them in Tokoroa, the Little Theatre are in rehearsals for No Regrets, the musical. That's written and directed by Sonia Winikiri and on stage also in November. Thames Music and Drama are rehearsing their version of All Together Now, also hitting the stage in November. Likewise, Tauranga Musical Theatre are in rehearsals for All Together Now, going to stage in November. The 16th Avenue Theatre in Tauranga are in rehearsal for The Revlon Girl. That's directed by Geraldine Broderick and goes to stage the 15th to the 30th of October. And Detour Theatre, also in Tauranga, uh, they have rescheduled their production of Sherlock Holmes' The Adventure of the Speckled Band from the 18th of November to the 4th of December. Auckland Theatre Company, the home of Level 4, the Haka Party incident by Katie Wolfe is coming back by popular demand. Fingers still crossed for that for October the 2nd to the 10th. And Blythe Spirit by Noel Coward, what a great old play that is too, mm. November the 9th to the 28th. In the way of upcoming auditions and opportunities, 16th Avenue Theatre in Tauranga are auditioning for their play Swingers by our mate April Phillips. Uh, September 19th are their auditions. Follow them on Facebook for more information about auditions. And auditions for Hamilton Musical Theatre's Summer Broadway Junior season of Beauty of the Beast Junior have been rescheduled to the 22nd and 25th of this month. Check out the uh, HMT Facebook page for information on how you can book for that. There have been more casualties thanks to COVID and there will likely be more. So if there is a cancellation you want us to spread the word about or something that is definitely going ahead that you want us to highlight, uh, email us backstagepodcastnz at gmail.com or just let us know when you see us next.
It's the boom splat. Nothing but a vast midnight. Everybody smash flat. Nothing we can do. Not exactly true. We could always give her the boy. No, of course, what really matters is the blame. Someone you can blame. Fine, if that's the thing you enjoy, placing the blame. If that's the aim, give me the blame. Just give me the boy. No, no. No. You're so nice. You're not good. You're not bad. You're just nice. I'm not good. I'm not nice. I'm just right. I'm the witch. You're the world. I'm the hitch. I'm what no one believes. I'm the witch. You're all liars and thieves, like his father, like his son will be too. Oh, my father. You'll just do what you do. It's the last midnight. So goodbye, y'all. Coming at you at last midnight. Soon you'll see the sky fall. Here you want to be. Have another beam. Things will make for making you rich. Plans are when they soar. Here you want some more. Last Midnight from our Musical of the Week, which this week is Into the Woods. You're backstage with Mel and Mike, and this week we're actually straying slightly from the norm and listening to the original motion picture soundtrack rather than the Broadway production for the film adaptation released in 2014. I know it's a bit of a controversial decision to go with a movie cast over the Broadway or the West End versions because there have been many, a uh, sacrilege, some might call it. And normally I would agree, you know me, I'm just as nerdy as the rest of you, but uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Into the Woods really at the best of times. And so I just selfishly made the call to go with the version I like the best. Now, we also like to mix it up a little bit too. We don't want to be predictable, do we? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Keep them guessing. Unpopular opinion is I don't hate James Corden in this movie. Yeah. All right. He did okay. He was fine. I hate him at the best of times, but in this case, yeah, he did all right. Meryl Streep was great, as always. Yeah. And she's really sort of, um, you know, proved it several times now that she can sing. Yep. Emily Blunt is a wonderful actor. Is it the best ever version of a sometime? Well, probably not, but it does pass as an adequate film adaptation. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I, I don't. And, and yeah. good, good watch. Yeah. I went to the movies to see it. If you're a musical theatre nerd, you kind of just have to. 
<laughs> you, you know, you can't be a true musical theatre nerd without going and seeing every adaptation of everything. All right. I've got a few to catch up on then. Well, you try. You're a busy man. You're a busy man. Yeah, that's true. All right. So, yeah, I'll, I will make a make a point of getting out and doing that sort of stuff soon and seeing all the adaptations of things I can. That's a, that's a pledge I'm making in front of you right now, Mel. Oh, we have soon it as soon as the time is right. We have it in writing. I'm going to start collecting a list for you and just things send them I'm your way. Things that i Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so before we get to Into the Woods, I thought that we could get first to... Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori, which is also Māori Language Week. We happen to be right in the middle of it. And so I thought that we could just yeah, talk about it. With that in mind, we thought it might be not just appropriate, but actually truly interesting to clue ourselves in on the tradition and the origin and history of Māori theatre. We've stumbled upon an online article written by our friend and New Zealand playwright, Briar Grace Smith, that we thought that we would dissect and talk about a bit today because it really is fascinating and very much in keeping with Tuwiki o Tororo Māori. Totally. Uh, and I thought, what a, if there were, we should be celebrating every day of the week, every week of the year. But since it is Tuwiki o Tororo Māori, the article starts with a quote from the missionary Thomas Grace, who I assume is probably a relative of um, or ancestor person of Briar, who listened to speeches in a Māori village near Whakatane in 1868. Listen to this. One old man attracted my attention more than all the rest. This man's performance has made an impression on my mind that can never be erased. I could not help thinking at the moment how infinitely superior it was to all the elaborate theatrical shams that draw people at home to crowded theatres. Were this old man to sing his song in London, I believe that professionals would have nothing to do until he left. Ooh, wow. Isn't that great? What a great review. I love that. That's and a great. very good recognition of the theatricality, but also the the music of the language and the storytelling involved in the in particularly in uh, Maori oratory. Yep, and the skills that underlie all that. It's a heck of a place to start, Mel. Go set the bar high. You're welcome. In pre-colonial Aotearoa, the name given to sites used for entertainment, such as storytelling or dance or music and games, was Faritapere. Sometimes it referred to a special building, but more often a suitable outdoor space like the base of a notable tree or an appropriate clearing. Cool, that's so cool. A whare mātoro was a form of whare tapere that offered entertainment specifically by and for young people, and a travelling troupe of entertainers who staged whare tapere was called a whare karioi. And in the late 19th century, whare tapere fell into disuse and many of their associated customs were lost, almost definitely as a result of colonisation. Now, the impacts of colonisation are far-reaching and I don't think there's a way of ever getting back what was lost. But in 2008, Charles Royal formed the Orotokare Trust, not just to research and revive whare tapere traditions, but to also build on those traditions to explore new approaches to Māori performing arts. Yeah. In 2010, the Trust held its first contemporary whare tapere at Waimango Marae in Hauraki. Several others have been since held. They featured traditional Māori instruments, or taonga pōro, and marionette-type puppets known as karetao, but also modern elements such as digital soundscapes. And I don't know if it's related to this Trust, but that's a lot of what Jeremy Mayle and Horomono Horo work on together. 
So that's a really easy way to expose yourself to some of what's happening in reviving Māori arts and traditions. And I think for a lot of people, some of those things that we just mentioned uh, will come as a bit of a surprise that those elements of entertainment existed back yeah. in the day. Mm. I mean, we think of uh, Māori culture in most terms these days as being action songs and pretty much that's it, a bit of oratory, a bit of music, but not much more. But in terms of early New Zealand stage dramas, like The Land of the Moa, written in 1895, and Tapu, written in 1903, they exploited the dramatic potential of Māori forms such as the haka, but in a dramatic setting. Yeah, which I think is this article's um, way of pointing out that Māori people occasionally took minor roles in these productions, uh, but they weren't properly consulted over the scripts or the staging. Uh, the earliest New Zealand feature films, even such as Hinnie Moore in 1914, also employed Māori actors, but only rarely consulted Māori over the treatment or the content. Yeah, well, there was still that kind of colonial, hey, look, isn't this quaint kind of aspect to that? And it lasted for a long time. And I don't think it was meant time. to be disrespectful, but that's how it comes across nowadays. Totally. Fast forward half a century to 1957, and Bruce Mason's... Uh, groundbreaking play, The Pohutakawa Tree. It was the first New Zealand play to deal with domestic race relations, but director Richard Campion struggled to find experienced Māori to fill the lead role. However, they did discover Hira Taufari, who had performed with concert parties in the Second World War and taken part in amateur theatre, and she was one of the first professional female Māori actors, leading also in the British television performance of the Bahuda Kawatri, and went on to have a successful film and television career both in the UK and here, but under the name of Hira Taufari. <laughs> and it's not really until you say that out loud where I realise, oh. Mm, uh, it's, they anglicised it. Yeah. They anglicised it, yeah. Uh, which in itself says a lot about 1950s British influence in New Zealand at well, the time. Could, uh, it carried on into the 60s as well. Nairo Dawn Porter had to change the spelling of her name yep. to N-Y-R-E-E so that people got mm, somewhere close to what it should have been. Yeah. They couldn't say Tofare, yeah. so she went so to Telfri. Telfri, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's incredible, right? Uh, and that really lasted for a long time. Fast forwarding again to 1971, uh, when journalist, and get this, coincidentally, uh, Kate's grand, my partner's great grandfather, uh, Harry Danzi, wrote Terokura, the father of the feathers of the albatross. Oh. Yeah, which after, like I said, 70 years of British settlement, was the first play by a Māori playwright. Wow. Yeah. It described the destruction of Tefiti's settlement at Parihaka, and it was first performed with George Henard as Tefiti at Auckland's Mercury Theatre in 1972. That was a huge achievement for its time, not just for a New Zealand playwright, but a Māori playwright, Mm. and about predominantly Māori events and people following that. There was a sort of a rise of Māori political activism powered by the wave of activity in Māori theatre. Yeah, so the first theatre company set up and run by Māori was Te Eka a Māori Players, formed in 1976, initially to present uh, a play called The Death of the Land by Rauli Habib. Then in 1979, founding member of Te Eka a Māori, Brian Pōtiki, helped to form the radical theatre company Maranga Mai, which dramatised events from the Māori protest movement. At the time, though, they were still considered to be controversially um, promoting quote-unquote racial disharmony. And this article continues to take us on the journey from Māori theatre pre-British settlement through to the 1970s, where the language and art form was finding its voice once again, right through to the forming of acclaimed Māori theatre company Takirura in the 80s and the translation of Shakespeare's 
Rangers, Troilus and Cressida into Te Reo Māori. And it brings us right up to current date through many of the ex- very exciting and um, stimulating Māori arts experiences available to us now. You touched on that locally with the stuff that Jeremy Miles doing. Oh, that's right. And I've talked about, I've raved about, in fact, Sian Parker, who's doing lots in the way of creating yep. um, cultural theatre, specifically Māori theatre. There are loads of companies and people and groups doing loads of cool things around the place. And I see such a, uh, a great feeling of empowerment, but also joy in people expressing their culture that way. Yep. Uh, and I'm thinking beyond just also when we're talking specifically about Māori theatre and Māori uh, arts expressions here, but I'm thinking of other Pacific Island cultures that are being expressed, the New Zealand experience is being expressed through people writing their, their own stories. Now, that possibly wouldn't have happened without these Māori playwrights and Māori performers breaking new ground back through the 60s, 70s and 80s. I think you're right and this article does touch on a bit of that as well. The artists, sort of the people we've talked about have paved the way for future, for people like Sian, for people like Horomono and Jeremy to yeah. be able to do what they do now. We really will be ruining the reader experience if we give you too much more but please read the full article. If you're interested in learning more about the history and current practice of Whare Tapiti, just Google Māori Theatre Te Whare Tapere Ho, and it will be the first search result that comes up. You honestly won't be sorry. And for the forgetful folk out there, check our Facebook page. We will uh, try to remember to put a link up there to point you in the right direction. I will try Make not to easy. forget to do that. <laughs> I shall not forget you. How brave you are to be alone in the woods. And how alive you've made me feel. Was that me? Was that him? Did a prince really kiss me? And kiss me and kiss me? And did I kiss him back? (gasps) Was it wrong? Am I mad? Is that all? Does he miss me? Was he suddenly getting bored with me? Wake up, stop dreaming, stop prancing about the woods. It's not beseeming, what is it about the woods? Back to life, back to sense, back to child, back to husband, no one lives in the woods. There are vows, there are ties, there are needs, there are standards, there are shouldn'ts and shoulds. Why not both instead? There's the answer if you're clever. Have a child for warmth and a baker for bread and a prince for whatever. (laughs) Never, it's these woods. Face the facts, find the boy, join the group, stop the giant, just get out of these woods. Was that him? Yes, it was. Was that me? No, it wasn't just a trick of the woods. Just a moment. One peculiar passing moment Must it all be either less or more Either plain or grand Is it always or is it never And that's what woods are for For those moments in the woods Oh, if life were made of moments Even now and then a bad one But if life were only moments Then you'd never know you had one For 
first a witch, then a child, then a prince, then a moment who can live in the woods. And to get what you wish only just for a moment, these are dangerous woods. Let the moment go. Don't forget it for a moment, though. Just remembering you've had an end when you're back to awe. Makes the awe mean more than it did before. Now I understand, and it's time to leave the woods. You're backstage with me, Mel, and my good friend Mike. We're nerding out over theatre as always. And today we've been deep diving in the rich history of Māori theatre in New Zealand. And isn't it rich? It's been such a pleasure to talk about that stuff. Mm, yeah, It has. Our musical of the week this week is Into the Woods, in case you need reminding. It's probably about time now, actually, Mel, for me to unleash the hounds, so to speak. <laughs> unleash the hounds. <laughs> Shuck off the shackles. Go okay. for it, girlfriend. <laughs> Okay, well, let's see how far I get and if I can make it to the end without forcing you to take over. As I mentioned, it's not particularly (laughs) my fave. Into the Woods is a musical with music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim and a book by James Lapine. The musical intertwines the plots of several brothers' grim fairy tales, exploring the consequences of the characters' wishes and quests. The main characters are taken from The Little Red Riding Hood, Jack and the Beanstalk, Rapunzel, Cinderella few others and the musical is tied together by a story involving a childless baker his wife and their quest to begin a family which is actually the original beginning of Rapunzel by the brothers Grimm so the baker and his wife their interaction with a witch who has placed a curse on them and their interaction with other storybook characters along the journey I won't give you every detail of the story as I might normally because it's convoluted to start with but also if you don't know Into the Woods I've probably given you enough to get started for first timers think more Sweeney Todd and less Shrek (laughs) (laughs) Into the Woods premiered at the Old Globe Theatre in San Diego, California on December the 4th of 1986 and ran for 50 performances under the direction of James Lapine so that was kind of its preview days it then transferred and opened on Broadway at the Martin Beck Theatre in November of 87 so I was about 9 months old (laughs) and it closed on September the 3rd of 89 after 765 performances so not it didn't do super well for what we know of a good long run on Broadway that production starred Bernadette Peters Joanna Gleason, Chip Zian Kim Crosby, Ben Wright, Danielle Furland, Chuck Wagner Mill Louise, Tom Aldridge and Robert Westenberg it's the original Broadway cast, quite a small cast the original production won the 1988 New York Drama Critics Circle Award and the Drama Desk Award for Best Musical and the original cast recording won a Grammy the show was nominated for 10 Tony Awards and won three of them. Uh, they won, it won Best Score, Best Book and Best Actress in a Musical. That was for Joanna Gleason. In 1989, from May 23rd to 25, so after, during its, the show's run on Broadway, it had multiple cast members come in and out. And uh, so on these dates, May 23rd to 25 and 89, the full original cast reunited for three performances to take the musical in its entirety for the season 10 premiere of PBS's American Playhouse, which first aired on March 1591. The show was filmed professionally with seven cameras on the set of the Martin Beck Theatre in front of an audience, with certain elements changed from its standard production only slightly for the recording in order to better fit the screen rather than the stage, such as lighting, minor costume differences 
few other little bits. So they still treated it like it was a, a screen production rather than a, a stage production? A little bit. I think so, yeah. Probably lit it slightly how many times have you seen, a live audience, How though. many times have you seen stage productions that have been filmed really badly and they just look static? I mean, we talked about bootlegs, haven't we? Yeah, but seven cameras, slightly different treatment. Yeah, I can see they really made it, you know, tried to make it as visually appealing as possible. Well, good, good move. that is the version with Bernadette Peters. That's the famous version of Into the Woods that you know and have seen around for years and years and years. Yeah. So if you know theatre at all and have ever come across Into the Woods on YouTube, you will have... That's what you would have seen. You will have seen a clip from that production. So it's not amazing quality. It still looks like it was filmed in that... 80s. Right. The original West End production opened on September 25th of 1990 at the Phoenix Theatre and closed uh, in February of 91 after only 197 performances. That was directed by Richard Jones, produced by David Mervish, with set design by Richard Hudson, choreography by Anthony Van Last, costumes by Sue Blaine, and orchestrations by Jonathan Tunick. Uh, that cast featured Julia McKenzie as the witch, Ian Bartholomew as the baker, Imelda Stoughton, love her, as the mm. baker's wife, uh, and Clive Carter as the wolf slash Cinderella's prince. That show received seven Olivier Awards in 1991, winning for Best Actress in a Musical, that went to Imelda Stoughton, and Best Director in a Musical. The song Our Little World was also added uh, into this production. The song was a duet sung between the witch and Rapunzel, giving a little bit of insight into the care the witch has for her self-proclaimed daughter and the desire Rapunzel has to see the world outside of her tower. The overall feel of the show was a lot darker than that of the original Broadway production, which is where the more Sweeney Todd-esque version of the show originated. I see, right, yep. Yeah. The 2002 Broadway revival, also directed by James Lapine, choreographed by a guy called John Carafa, that began previews uh, in April of 2002, opened officially at the end of April 2002, and closed in December of 29 that same year, after a run of only 18 previews and 279 regular performances. Lapine revised the script slightly for this production, with a cameo appearance of The Three Little Pigs, and that's restored from the earlier San Diego production. This revival won the Tony Award for the Best Revival of a Musical and Best Lighting Design in 2002, and this Broadway revival wardrobe is on display at the Costume World in South Florida, if you're planning on going anywhere anytime (laughs) soon. The Olivier Award winning... This is my favourite version of the show so far. I haven't seen it, but it sounds cool. The Olivier Award-winning Regent's Park Open Air Theatre production, directed by... Why is that such a mouthful? Directed by Timothy Shedder and choreographed by Liam Steele, ran for a six-week limited season from August to September in 2010. The musical was performed outdoors in a wooded area. Oh, nice. Yeah. Whilst the book remained mostly unchanged, the subtext of the plot was dramatically altered by casting the role of the narrator as a young schoolboy lost in the woods. Oh, how cool. I know. (laughs) Uh, and, And terrifying, anyway. Yeah, so he's lost in the woods following a family argument, a device which is used to further illustrate the musical's theme of parenting and, and, and adolescence. Nice touch. I like that. Isn't it? How inventive. Right? Yeah. I just want to do it. That production opened to wide critical acclaim, obviously, much of the press commenting on the effectiveness of the open-air setting. The Telegraph reviewer, for example, wrote, It is an ins- inspired idea to stage this show in the magical sylvan surrounding 
surroundings of Regent's Park. And designer Sutra Gilmore has come up with a marvellously rickety adventure playground of a set. All ladders and stairs and elevated walkways with Rapunzel discovered high up in a tree. The New York Times reviewer commented... The natural environment makes for something genuinely haunting and mysterious as night falls on the audience. Stephen Sondheim attended that production twice, reportedly extremely pleased with the production. And that production also won the Olivier Award for Best Musical Revival, and Michael Xavier, who played Cinderella's Prince and the Wolf, was nominated for the Olivier Award for Best Performance in a Supporting Role in a Musical. The production is available, was recorded in its entirety, available to download and watch from Digital Theatre. Nice. So I'll be doing that. That's mm-hmm. going to be one I add to our list, Mike. Even though you don't like the show, it's it's um, that kind of treatment that sort of elevates, you know, it shows you what can be done. Yeah. The treatment and of a bad, not a bad show, but the treatment of a, a mass show can really make or break a show. <laughs> anyway, a production played in Sydney from the 19th of March 1993 to June 93 at the Drama Theatre at the Sydney Opera House. The first professional Spanish language production, Dentro del Bosque, was produced by the University of Puerto Rico Repertory Theatre and premiered in San Juan at Teatro de la Universidad. Well done. Oh, Which oh, is what? University Theatre? University Theatre. Right. In March of 2013. And there have obviously been a ton of community and professional productions all around the world since it premiered in 86. It can be done, like we've mentioned, very, very well. It can be done very, very, very badly (laughs) uh, and boringly. And I would argue that, like, and I actually said this at the beginning of my spiel, even if you hate it, see it once. Just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Form your own opinion. But try to pick a good production. Don't trust me. Interesting that it's not a production that had, you know, one of those extended five, six-year seasons on Broadway. It just Isn't sort of it? came and went and came and went and came and went. Each time with a different treatment and a different batch of ideas. When James Lapine directed most of the professional productions yeah, around the world. But he was willing to revisit his book and, and make changes. And yeah. Um, I'm sure that sometime would have loved that too. Good for him. He's obviously made a career and a living and a life out, out of it. <laughs> And more. Yeah. Well, even if it's just sitting through the movie with James Corden and Emily Blunt, and you've got to see the movie just for those two, really. You do. Um, thank you again, Mel, for bringing us our musical of the week. Thanks to Free FM for hosting us. Yep. Good on you guys. Thanks, Creative Whitecutter, for sponsoring us. We love that. And thank you for listening. We love having you at our place. We really do, and we love doing this, and we love nerding out about theatre with you. Don't forget to catch Backstage wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and head over to Instagram and find Backstage Podcast NZ, where I will be sharing today's episode plus Musical of the Week on our story. I have been Mel, he's been Mike, you've been Backstage. Stay classy, theatre nerds. And as we leave the stage today, we're going to leave you with No One Is Alone. It's from our Musical of the Week, which if you hadn't caught on to my now, <laughs> is Into the Woods. Stay safe out there. Wear a mask. Keep signing in. See you. Mother cannot guide you. Now you're on your own. Only me beside you. Still you're not alone.
things, right things. Who knows what she'd say? Who can say what's true? Nothing's quite so clear now. Do things, fight things. Feel you've lost your way. You decide, but you, you are, are not alone. Believe me, no one is no alone. No one is alone. Believe me, truly. People make mistakes. Fathers, mothers. People make mistakes. Holding to their own, thinking they're alone. Honor their mistakes. Fight for their mistakes. Everybody makes one another's terrible mistakes. Witches can be right. Giants can be good. You decide what's right. You decide what's good. Just remember. Just remember. Someone is on your side. Our side. Someone else is not. While we're seeing our side, our side. Maybe we forgot. They are not alone. No one is alone. Someone is on your side. No one is I just wasn't meant to have children. Don't say that. Of course, you were meant to have children. But how can I go about being a father when I had no father to show me? Just calm the child. Just calm the child. Look, tell him the story of how it all happened. Be father and mother. You'll know what to do. Alone. Sometimes people leave you. Way through the world. Do not let it grieve you. No one leaves for good. You are not alone. No one is alone. Hold him to the light now. Let him see the glow. Will be all right now. Tell him what you know. Once upon a time, in a far-off kingdom, there lay a small village at the edge of the woods. Careful the things you say. And in this village, children will listen. There lived a young maiden. Carefree young lad, children will see and a childless baby. And love with his wife. Guide them along the way. Children will glisten. Children will look to you for which way to turn to learn what to be. Children will live.
Use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.